came in Jesus and is coming now and will come in the future. John was a man who walked with Jesus, who talked with Jesus, who followed Jesus, who saw Jesus, who heard Jesus, who touched Jesus. And he writes his gospel very clearly that we may believe in Jesus. And that if you already believe in Jesus, you may continue to believe in Jesus. That is the purpose of this gospel, that you may continue to believe in Jesus. Because it reveals within its pages the life of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and the life of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14 is a kind of watershed moment in the gospel. Because Jesus' public ministry has come to an end. And for the next uh, part of this gospel, nearly 40% of the gospel is spent with just the last few days of Jesus' life as he prepares his disciples for his leaving, but also for what is to come as he sends them out on mission. And in these chapters, we see that he spends time with his disciples, and John is the only gospel writer who records these extended discourses of Jesus. We see Jesus spending time with his father in prayer. And then there's the passion. There's the events of Good Friday. There's the glorious events of Easter Sunday. We walk with John once again through the arrest and the torture and the crucifixion of Jesus, but also the resurrection. And John records these things for us. We began chapter 14 with words of comfort and challenge, wonderful words of scripture, do not let your hearts be troubled. I mean, just, just one phrase of Jesus, do not let your hearts be troubled. We, if we have troubled hearts, we need to hear that. Trust in God, trust also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 12, just to 21. And uh, we'll look at this next little passage together. So verse 12 of chapter 14. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. 
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be our saviour. We thank you, Jesus, that you came and walked on this earth, leaving your throne in heaven to become one of us, to become the way, the truth, and the life for us. We thank you for the gift of your spirit, and we ask for your help as we just look at this passage, that these might not just be words on a page, but words imprinted on our hearts, that we might know the truth of them and live in the light of them. Will you do this by the power of your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever wondered whether it would have been just so brilliant to be around Jesus when he walked on this earth? Have you ever thought, wouldn't it have been great if we had lived at that time If we had been around in Galilee where Jesus walked on the earth to be there when he turned water into wine or when he fed 5,000 people just with a few loaves and a few fish, wouldn't you have loved to be there when he healed people, the blind men, the, the lame, when he raised the dead? Wouldn't it have been brilliant to have been there to listen to his teaching directly from his lips? To witness the miracles with our own eyes. You see, if, it, if we had only been there with Jesus, if we had only been there like John, if we had been able to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus, to look into his very eyes, to feel his touch, to laugh at his jokes, it would have made faith so much easier. It's what we think, isn't it, from time to time? He would have explained everything to us. He would have told us what to do. He would have been such an encouragement. And whatever we were doing, he'd be positive about it. And we would want to go on and be more and do more for him because we wanted to please him. It would have been so much easier to be a disciple of Jesus if we had been around him when he walked on this earth. It's a common thought. It's very understandable. It depends a lot on hindsight. And it's completely wrong. And I only say it's wrong because Jesus says it's wrong. you think about it and you read the Gospels, you actually see clearly that it's wrong. Firstly, the evidence of the Gospel suggests that the people who were around Jesus didn't quite see it like that themselves. They were struggling to understand who Jesus was. They were amazed, yeah, but they were struggling with some of the things he said about following him, picking up a cross. They didn't find it easy to believe. And even some of his closest friends betrayed him. They'd been with him three years. Betrayed him, denied him, deserted him. 
Even John, who writes this gospel, who calls himself the beloved disciple, which sounds arrogant, doesn't it? He always describes himself as, I, I'm the beloved disciple. It's not arrogant. We're all loved disciples. He just knew it. Some of us don't accept it. We are loved by Jesus. But they didn't find it easy. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they all ran away. Peter followed at a distance, but he was challenged, wasn't he? John was there at the crucifixion. He'd made his way to the crucifixion. He was there with Mary. And Jesus speaks directly to John from the cross. But for most people who were around Jesus, witnessing him, hearing him, seeing him, they struggled. It didn't make faith easy. Some thought he was even mad. And that's his own family. His own family thought he was out of his mind. Because when you think about it, to make that step of faith that here in front of you is God in the flesh. God who created the, the stars, the galaxies here in the flesh. It wouldn't have been easier. Secondly, in this passage and several others coming up, as Jesus prepares his disciples for his physical departure, he says to them again and again, it would be better for you if I leave. You know, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with the disciples saying, no, it will not be better if you leave. In fact, it will be worse. No one else think like that? Jesus, stay, please. Wouldn't it be great, Jesus, if you just went on a world tour? Just stay. Go on a world tour. We'll build boats. We'll, you know, we'll get the money so that the whole world will believe. Jesus, just go on tour. We'll provide the music, the PA. Jesus says, it's going to be better if I leave you. No. But then he promises, but I'll always be around. Oh, come on. Jesus, you're messing with us now. It's better if you leave, but you're always going to be around. How does that work out? This is true. He didn't promise that it would be easier if he was still with them. He said, it's easier if I leave. Because he says that his people, those who believe in him, will be able to do the things that he has been doing. And then he says this amazing thing. He says, you will do even greater things than I've been doing. And we're all going, no way. Because of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus begins to talk about God the Holy Spirit. His followers will do even greater things Jesus, if you know your history, never traveled more than 200 miles from Bethlehem, where he was born. Never wrote a book. Never 
did any of the things that people would associate with greatness, yet he changed the whole world. But he sends this little team out and says, you're going to do it for me. And within 50 years, they were talking about Jesus in the heart of the Roman Empire. Within 50 years. And 2,000 years later, the gospel is still running. It is still on the move. Jesus is still saving, still healing, still restoring, still making all things new, one by one, even greater things. But what's this, I will not leave you? He did. He left. How will he be always with us? How will he be always be around if he is not here? Jesus promises in this passage that we have read together that he will send the Holy Spirit, his own spirit, his own breath, his own inner life will be with you and in you. The wonder of the Holy Spirit is that he is everywhere and in us. And we can have a deeper and deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can have more and more of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. He is with us and in us. And here Jesus uses a special word to describe the Spirit. The word is parakletos. And in some ways it's, it's a hard word to translate. It means so many different things. It means helper and comforter and counselor and advocate meaning that he will be the one alongside us. When I say that Jesus lives in me, Jesus, the, the Jesus who walked on this earth doesn't physically live in me. He lives in me by his Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of Jesus who lives in me and in you. He is the helper who comes alongside. He is the comforter who comes to us in our bereavement and in our need. He is the strengthener. He is the counselor who brings wisdom and truth. He describes the Spirit as the Spirit of truth. Jesus is the truth. And he and the Spirit are one. As he and the Father are one. And the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one. One God in three persons. He is our defender, our advocate. I was uh, in Long Latin, continuing the Alpha Course, and just talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit being our advocate. And they just leapt on it. Imagine having the Holy Spirit and Jesus in your corner as your defense counsel. What brilliant news. And Jesus' other promise, I will not leave you as orphans. Imagine just your mental picture of an orphan. You will have a picture of an orphan. Whether it's from news or film or whatever. You picture that and Jesus, I will not leave you. As orphans. I will not leave you without a parent. I will not leave you lost or bewildered. You will not be in the dark. And you will never be alone. If we're Christians. If we're followers of Jesus. We will never be alone. Because Jesus promised it. If you love me. You will follow me. And you will obey me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. The key word there, another, is an interesting word. It means like me. 
I will give you one like me. So Jesus is preparing his disciples. He is going to leave. He is going to be crucified. He will rise from the dead, but then he will ascend to heaven because that is the plan. But he will send another. He will ask the Father to send another like me to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus is talking about the long-promised spirit. This isn't sort of new. Spirit was there from the very beginning. You read Genesis chapter 1, and the Spirit is there. Jesus was there from the very beginning, and the Father was there from the very beginning. At particular times, on particular people, for t- particular purposes, lots of P's there, aren't there? The Holy Spirit came on people for specific tasks. You think of Gideon in the Old Testament, or Samson and David. The Holy Spirit fell on them to achieve a specific thing for God. But then there's a promise that comes through the prophets. The prophets start saying that the Messiah is going to come, the Savior is going to come, and then the Spirit will come and will be poured out on all who believe. And the law will be written on our hearts. It won't be something we have to follow by by rote or, or sort of regulations, but it will be living in us because he will live in us. And we will live in him. It'll be faith on the inside. Not just outward works. And that faith on the inside will be shown by what we do. Because we love Jesus. We want to obey him. How can we say we love Jesus but won't obey him? Doesn't make sense. I love Jesus but I won't do what he says. Jesus' promise... And he's already made it in chapter 7. Remember when he he went to the temple and there was that that feast of tabernacles and Jesus stood up on the last and greatest day of the feast and he said, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. I'm what you're looking for. The God-shaped hole in your life is me. Don't go looking for it in a religion. Don't go looking for it in anything else. Jesus never said, come and follow my religion. He said, come follow me. That's why it's hope for the whole world. It breaks down every barrier. He calls every single person, no matter your background, creed or whatever, follow me. He is the savior of the world. And he promised streams of living water. Life-giving water. It's being born again. Remember when you were born again. When God breathed his life into you and you accepted Christ, you were born again. All your sins were washed away. Why do you keep bringing them up? Jesus has paid for them. He washed them away. And he gave you a new life. A life to live for him. For his glory. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come. He is just like Jesus And he is just like the Father. Jesus promised never to leave us or forsake us. The Holy Spirit is not a force, a power, or an it. He is a person. Just like Jesus. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with us. Always. 
And through the power of the Holy Spirit, those who follow Jesus will do greater things. Will do greater things. Because Jesus sends his disciples out to the whole world, healing, bringing the good news. And even today, we've celebrated people being touched by the love of Jesus when they receive food because they're at a desperate point in their lives and Jesus is giving them food through his people. And Jesus is reaching out to the most vulnerable in India, the women and the children, through his people. You will do greater things. He sends his church on tour. We're on tour. Peter Kay may do 140 nights and sell out all the big stadium. We're here every week. We're not sold out yet. But there's room for more. The church for 2,000 years has been on tour. Every day with the good news. Preaching good news to the poor, freedom for the captive, sight for the blind, salvation for the lost. The kingdom is coming all over the world. And it's in that setting that Jesus makes one of the first of several remarkable promises about prayer. And... uh, You and I, if we're honest, sometimes struggle over this. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. And I'm the first one to say, but I've asked in your name. The all-important phrase is my name, the name of Jesus. The name means Savior. It's who he is just doesn't mean adding his name to any prayer or request that I would seek to think is good. I can ask all manner of things and just put his name on the end. That's not what he means. In some ways, prayer is that mystery. We don't always understand it, but it means that we get to know who Jesus is and we find ourselves drawn into his life and into his love and into his purpose. And when we're in his life and love and purpose... We'll be praying in his kingdom, in his name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And there are times when we know that we are praying according to his purpose. Things happen according to his purpose. And there are other things we have to leave with him. Lord, you know This is on my heart. I have to leave it with you. As we follow Jesus, we see the needs. And the doing and the prayer go together. That's why we have hungry once a month. If you can't make it actually to come, pray at home if you can. Hallmark of this church is prayer. I remember talking to Alice Benfield, who's one of the, the handful of folk who were, you know, just held on. Prayer. It just held on. 
in prayer. God, bring revival to this church. Always remember what she said. We prayed for revival. Even when one night there were just three of them around a gas fire in the back room of the church. We prayed for revival. Didn't think it would come with drums. All these young people. Imagine if we said we're going to leave the building. We're going to camp in the school. Didn't think it would come like that. We're praying for revival. We don't know what it's going to come like. Who cares what it comes like as long as it comes? Pray in my name, sisters. If you haven't received an answer, you keep praying. And you keep praying. All will be resolved in him. All will be resolved in him. The last few verses of this section present a wonderful circle of promises that are ours because Jesus is with us by his spirit. You will see me. He says, the world won't see me. They won't understand the Holy Spirit. They'll speak against the Holy Spirit. They won't get him at all, but you will and you will see me. And I want eyes to see more of God. I want eyes to see more of who he is and what he's doing. I think that's a prayer we can pray in his name. Give me eyes to see more of who you are. Don't, Lord, do what I want you to do so I may see it. That's a different kind of prayer. Give me eyes to see more of who you are. And we will live because he lives in us. Jesus lives in us. If we follow Jesus, if we own him as Savior and Lord, he lives in us by the Holy Spirit. Do we want more? Have we got it all? Are we sorted? Do we need more of the Holy Spirit? Yes. I see you're all nodding vigorously. Yes. If you meet anyone who says they've got it all, you ask them, where is it then? That comes from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Got it all? Let's see it then. And you will know me. And perhaps the deepest theological truths of all that Jesus says here, and it be, you know, if we dwell on it, blow our minds, and we will know that he, Jesus, and the Father are in each other, and that we are in him, and he is in us. Isn't that amazing? This is what Jesus says. Whoever has my commands and obey him, he is the one who loves me, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. On that day, you'll realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. This is glorious. God with us, Emmanuel, God in us. Jesus and the Father are in each other. He said it time and again. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When they said, show us the Father, he said, you've seen me. And we are in him. And they that love me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to him. These are brilliant words of scripture. Will you treasure these words? 
take them into your heart? Will you live with them this week? Look over them perhaps once this week and just say, that is amazing. I want more of who you are, God. We're going to worship in just response to this. going to ask the band to come back. We're going to call on the name of Jesus. We're going to ask for more of the Holy Spirit so that we might be more fruitful in our lives. We're going to ask for healing. That if anyone needs prayer for anything, just come to the front as we begin to worship. We want to pray God's kingdom in. We want to see breakthroughs. Is there anyone here in need? Then reach out to Jesus. These are not just words on a page. This is real. And for so long, the church has just made lip service to the scriptures and to the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, he's around maybe. We want to be, this is our time. I'm alive at this time and I want to take hold of everything that God has for us. I don't always get it right, but I want more. Here's an opportunity as we worship to open our lives to him. Say, Lord, will you pour out your spirit? Just be moving in this place. If you need prayer, just come out during the time that we sing. Just come, there'll be people on hand. Our prayer team will be around to pray for anybody. Should we stand and just welcome the Holy Spirit? Lord Jesus, you are wonderful. We worship you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the savior of the world. You are our hope. You are the one we need. And we thank you for your promise that you will never leave us. You promised that you would send the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that promise. And we lay hold of it today. And we say, come Holy Spirit. Fill our lives. Fill this place. If you're here this morning, you're not yet a believer in Jesus, but you want to be, then ask him into your life. See what he will do. Say you trust him. You believe in him. See what he will do. If you have needs, stretch out your hands as we begin to worship. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill this place. Your dwelling is with us. You are in us and with us. We welcome you here. Let's worship together.